Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today we have a very special guest, the one and only Corey Corpodian. Now, Corey, for those that don't know who he is, is the founder of UnleashSuccess.com. He is actually the podcaster behind Unleash Success as a podcast and brand, and the author of Emotionally Fit, which is, of course, a key set of principles that will help you get emotionally fit in order for you to achieve the goals that you want and make it more everlasting. For instance, if you decide to make a crap ton of money, but you're emotionally unfit or unhealthy, you'll find a way to sabotage and get rid of all the shit that you worked for only to make yourself believe that you could never do it again. While being emotionally fit could mean that you, may lose, that you might lose it all, but you've got the endurance to win it all back. That being said, Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Pleasure to be on here. Ah, pleasure to have you on. Hopefully, I didn't completely butcher what your book was about. Oh, no. I mean, honestly, it, it's, it's a mindset tool. And I look at you know emotional fitness as really a workout plan for your mind. Um, so it, whether it's in business, you want to make a crap ton of money, whether you want to avoid self-sabotaging, whether you want to get a, into a better relationship, a more meaningful one, or just enhance yourself and align with what you say you want and accomplish your goals. That's what emotional fitness is about. And, you know, I, I did all that personal development stuff and I found myself doing certain mental exercises that were always driven by an emotion, either one emotion that I wanted to feel or an emotion that I didn't want to feel. And I realized that if I could train my mind and emotions to push me towards my goals, I was able to achieve them a lot faster. And of course, you know, six months later, I doubled my income while working less. I bought my dream beach house and, uh, you know, I met the woman of my dreams who I'm still with today. That's amazing. It's crazy how that happens, right? Your brain gets in the right place and you find everything that kind of flows to you. You know, I think it comes from what, kind of what you said in the beginning of, you know, whether you self-sabotage or not. And people don't even realize certain um, parameters that their mind is, you know, operating on. And they're basically these beliefs from experiences we had as, as children um, where we made a decision on what an experience meant to us a long time ago. And it still dictates our life today. You know, I mean, for instance, uh, if you got rejected as a young kid, you might not be comfortable opening up in a relationship today. Or maybe, you know, you never felt like you were loved by your mom or dad. And so you never felt like you were good enough. I know that for like, which is crazy because I know my dad loves me. Um, you know, he loves his kids more than anything. But forever, I never felt like I was good enough for my dad. But this is a decision I made as a kid where he was just trying to make me better and it worked. You know, I was, I excelled in a lot of different areas in sports and in school, but I never felt like I was good enough. And what ends up happening is that I would work really hard. But of course, in entrepreneurship, feeling like you're never good enough can also, it can be a double edged sword where, you know, you're like, I'm not good enough to do this. So I'm not even going to try. And if you're not aligned with what you feel and what you believe inside, you're not going to be able to move forward and accomplish your goals. And I want to be able to move forward quickly. And that's what emotional fitness trains you to do. I would agree. It's essentially the same as being able to run suicide sprints, essentially. Keeps you emotionally fit. Keeps you physically yeah, fit as well. It makes you want to hate you, the person that makes you do them. But. It's funny. My dad used to make me do suicide sprints. Like the one time he coached me in and he coached me a few times. But the one time it was a really big, you know, growing year. We ran suicide sprints all the time. But like any sport and even business as a sport, um, when it comes down to if you've put in the time is always it's always a mental mindset shift. If you want to be the best at something, it's all mental. You know, it's like my body can keep going. But if my mind quits first, I'm not going anywhere. Yep. Agreed. It is it is a mental uh, feat. And it's weird because this week I, I decided to read Relentless by Tim Grover. Love that book. I read the notes version because like my ADD is kicking my ass this week uh, for obvious reasons. Um, for those that know, and it's one of those crazy things where, um, yeah, reading that book, you realize exactly how crazy tough, like the mindsets are of true champions. And have you seen the last dance on Netflix, by the way? I've like, been watching, I'm up to episode six. 
Oh, uh, so I haven't seen seven and eight yet. Dude, worth watching because like nine and ten come out on on like in a couple of days from now. I've already like booked that day off to watch those two episodes because, like, I grew up as a basketball fan. Basketball was my sport in the UK, which it doesn't get a lot of like. There's there's not a lot of like uh, love given in the UK for like basketball, so it's quite rare to play over here. But um, huge fan, so I decided to watch this thing, this Netflix documentary, and you also see Tim Grover in there. But it yeah. all comes back to this idea of if you're mentally sharp and emotionally sharp, you're able to do great things. Like even if you're just, to be fair, you can actually do a lot of great things without being emotionally stable or emotionally fit. But at the end of the day, it's better if you are because it makes your job a lot easier. I would say a hundred percent. You know it. Like I was able to accomplish great things just by being driven towards a goal that honestly, the only problem was is that when I finally realized all my goals and dreams, I found very quickly that that actually wasn't what I was truly wanting out of life. And it left me totally miserable and unfulfilled. And so it was, you know, you can definitely accomplish great things. There are people who are multimillionaires, but they're alcoholics and they've been divorced three times. There are people that, you know, can't freaking save a penny to save their life, but they have the best relationships in the world. So just, you know, it's like certain people excel in different areas of life. But if you want to really master life, if you want to master all areas of life, you've got to have a mentally sharp mind. And if you want to be the best at something, you have to be emotionally fit. I love I love the last dance. I'm obsessed with it. Michael Jordan and, you know, Kobe Bryant, who is very similar to him. And the Mamba mentality it is, all, you know, all about being a champion. And I actually coach uh, a pro MMA fighter. And we always talk about the champion's mindset. You know, how do you become a champion? And when you're in, he, when he's in the ring, when you're fighting, basically you have trained for 10 years to be here. You know what to do. But if you mentally fuck yourself, you're going to mess up and lose. And so that's the biggest problem for people is that if you want to excel at the next level, you've got to be mentally sharp. You've got to be emotionally fit. Agreed. Agreed. And speaking of like MMA fighters and just the way they keep their mind sharp. Yeah. Like some of the best fighters I know and some of the best guys I've trained with all have like mental coaches. And it's one of the craziest things because the it's even strange for me like to do jujitsu competitions when we could do jujitsu competitions. I'm still like finding it's strange because I've worked with a couple of uh, mental coaches, but we still haven't found that one thing that shifts the thing for me so far. Hmm. So it's always a case. I know what it is. It's just the case of, I don't know how to shift it yet. Or at least for, on some weird level, I'm not ready to let go. I don't know why. Okay. So that's great. If you know what it is, that's usually the hardest part. Oh yeah, no, it's a it's, daddy issue. It's a, it, for me, it's a dad issue of like my dad always wanted to be to be protected, so he always mm. would o- he would overly dominate to make sure that I was looked after, but he never let me like grow out. So imagine a lion cub never being able to be a lion cub because the big ass lion is doing everything for the lion cub, and, and so, so that holds you back in fighting. It never used to, but it does, it does now. Like, because before when I used to compete, I used to compete from rage. So it was never a case of I'm going in here to have fun. I, my mindset was I'm going in here to hurt you. That was like my only thought process. Now I've gone older and done a lot of a lot more self-work. It's weird. I can't roll heavy with my guys in the gym. Like the amount of times I just let people pass by or if they're nice to me at competitions, I like weirdly a part of my brain goes, don't hurt them. Like don't put them in submission hold. It's funny because, uh, the, the MMA fighter I coach, his name's Ian Butler. And you know, he, like, if you see this guy on social media, if you've ever met him in person, he is all smiles. He laughs a ton. He's super happy. And (laughs) it's like, how does this guy like pretty much a trained killer in the cage? And It's like the guy would never hurt a fly, but he is a professional fighter. And I think one of the things that people, you know, you have to separate the sport and who you are outside the ring and who you are inside the ring. And we kind of evolve an identity when he walks in there to make sure that he unleashes literally every ounce that he has. Because 
as a pro fighter, if he loses, that fighter is taking food out of his or money out of his pocket and food off his table for his family. And that's the, that's a big problem. But he also wants to be a champion. And so we talk about just like how to create that shift. And we've had to create multiple shifts because every time you go through life, something happens and you've got to change something. Now, I don't know anything about you and I don't know anything about, you know, your relationship with your dad. I mean, I know a little bit about you. Obviously, we've talked before, yeah. but I don't know anything about your relationship with your father and yeah, so how yeah. complicated it can get. But at the end of the day, I always think a lion always wants his cub to be king. And so if you think about the protection that he gave you, but also, too, didn't he show you maybe how to become a king? And not that you don't want to protect other people, but if they're coming to fight you, like that's that's the game that you enter. You understand that, like, you know, it's kill or be killed at that point. Because if you ever fought somebody and didn't actually try, like you were like, I, oh, you know, I don't want to hurt you because of I don't want to put you in the submission hold because you know I don't I feel like this you know internal struggle. Ultimately, at the end of the day, like it might not have happened yet. Maybe you're good enough to fight over other people and outskill and outmaneuver, but eventually somebody's gonna come in there that's so hungry to get some recognition or to beat you or something. They might actually hurt you. And it's funny how. You know, a lot of times people will do something where they don't put all their effort in and all of a sudden they get punched in the face and it's like, fuck me, man, let's go. Yeah. And, you know, usually that kick in the ass can kind of shift it. Of course, I mean, we don't have to go into too much detail. We can keep talking about whatever. But I know that if you know what the problem is, awareness is the first step in emotional fitness. If you know what the belief is, then really it's aligning your internal beliefs and saying, all right, you know what? I value being a winning jujitsu fighter over, you know, having this protection and not hurting other people. And it's not that you would ever hurt anybody outside the ring, but inside the ring, this is your job. That makes sense. And I just ended up getting like a free therapy session. You guys, this is why you start podcasts. I'm kidding. But no, it has so it has so much weight to it because it's true. And you can apply this to literally anything else in your life. You can look at where you're not identifying um, problems in your life and you can see what your relationship to it is. And as you said, you just start shifting. Um, I don't know if you've read, I, I'm assuming you've read this person's work, uh, Nathaniel. Um, oh my God, I can't remember his name. He wrote The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. I, I actually haven't. Oh, I've wow. read like hundreds of books. I haven't read that one. <laughs> I would definitely recommend it. Um, Nathaniel Brandon. It's a great book. It's a very applicable book. He, uh, he was a, uh, he actually dated Ayn Rand for a while as well as the other thing. Um, he's, he had a really long relationship and then eventually became rivals and there's this whole little thing there. But something he was, so I'm going through his work again and he was a, he was a licensed therapist and something he mentioned was You've got to get recognition and acceptance of the thing you're trying to deny. And he goes, there is on some level that you'll do so. So for instance, he gave the example of one of his uh, clients who had an anger management problem, like they were angry and he goes, I want you like, I want you to just acknowledge that you're, that you're angry. He goes, I refuse to like, I'm not acknowledging to be angry. He goes, okay, well, do you acknowledge your refusal to accept the fact that you're that you're angry he goes yeah and he just vehemently yells I refuse to, ex uh, to I refuse uh, to accept the belief that you know I'm angry or whatever it is and he goes okay do, do you accept that he goes no I don't accept that so he goes do you refuse do you accept to refuse that you refuse the fact that you're actually angry and he just got a little bit further by the third time he was like okay I can accept that I am denying and refusing that I'm denying and refusing that I'm actually angry. Um, and then from that, it was just a case where they found the leverage point of where they could start. And then they started working towards getting him down to where he could accept that he was refusing. And then finally just be like, okay, maybe it is me. And finally having acceptance and then shifting, which is a very powerful way of looking at it. You know, it's so funny, man. Like that, that story brings up to light uh, a problem. A lot of people have, which I think is like, nobody likes to look themselves in the mirror yeah. and see their true self. Yeah, it's you, you're afraid of what you might really see. And, you know, some people might be listening to this and be like, no, I'm not. You know, I, I'm totally fine. But 
if you have an internal conflict where you won't even admit that where you're at, where you're wrong, or maybe not wrong, you know, anger is not necessarily a bad thing all the time. Like it can start the fire that drives you to do great things. But if you can't admit to yourself that being angry is what you're doing, you'll never be able to change it. If you can't look yourself in the mirror objectively, and this is why like, you know, people like pro MMA fighters have mental coaches. Why, you know, I've coached even people in business. And it's because you need somebody to bounce back what you're saying. And it's funny, just by hearing somebody else say your exact words, you might hear it differently. And all of a sudden it creates little shifts. And like asking yourself different questions, like, you know, hey, what am I feeling right now? Why am I not, you know, doing what I said I was going to do? Why am I angry? Why am I denying that I'm angry? Why am I denying that I don't even want to accept this? And the backward forward, you know, mental mind fuck that you might give yourself sometimes. But ultimately, if you can answer that question, that's where you can create true change. Agreed. I would agree. And it's one of those things that very few people want to look at. And just going back to the whole thing with the mirror for me, it was uh, David Goggins that really kind of made me look in the mirror properly. Because I, I was never afraid to look in my mirror and be real. But there was part of me that was always hiding. So when I went through the what was it? Uh, Can't Hurt Me book, like his mental toughness, which is insane in its own right. Um, insane. That dude is insane. <laughs> he is so intense. Loveliest guy ever, by the way. So like, lovely. I, I mean, definitely great. I love all of his work. I love oh, it. The no, stories. I, I met him. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, nice. Person, nicest guy you could ever meet, by the way. Just absolutely like a loving soul. Like you meet this dude and immediately you feel this person's just like an innocent person that just wants to love people. Which is wild because, I mean, he literally ran 100 miles with no experience, no training, and was just like, you're not going to beat me. I'm going to beat this. I mean, yeah. like the I'm stuff he's legs. put himself there. I, I just like wild. Didn't he almost die of kidney failure after that? I mean, it was... That was the craziest story. I was just like, whoa. And then all and, the stuff with being like fro like almost dying of hypothermia in a frozen tundra. It it just goes to show you this. And I, I still am learning the extent with which our mind can control our bodies. But um I've done, you know, Wim Hof method is something that I was, you know, fascinated with and kind of plays along what David Goggins has done, where if you can control your mind you can control your body. Wim Hof method, I jumped into a bathtub filled with 300 pounds of ice. It was 32, 33 degrees. And I, yeah, and I dunk, I've done it twice. So I like pain. No, <laughs> it's just, but to be able to create this shift using your breath, using your mind and focus to the point where I sat in there for three minutes straight, like, that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like all about, you know, mindset, emotional fitness, but I had no idea how much you could really control your internal, the, the parasympathetic nervous system and change everything. That's when I started, you know, it was before this, but I start my first study that I ever read that really blew my mind was the, um, uh, it was the power posing one by Harvard psychologist, uh, Amy Cuddy. And oh gosh, so yeah. she, like talks about how, you know, you spend two minutes and this is an exercise you can literally do at home right now. If you're just, you can, I always like to start by having people sit down and sh do depressed for two minutes where you're sitting there and you're like, if you think about somebody who's depressed, you know, shoulders are slumped, heads down, chin down, their breathing is, uh, yeah, you know, I just, I don't, mm, you know, life sucks and I don't really care about anything. If you do that for two minutes and I mean like take it, try not to laugh. But then double that intensity and double it again so you feel really, really depressed. The most you've ever felt depressed. And then immediately stand up and power pose. You'll see the full effect. And power posing is basically, think of Superman or Wonder Woman. You stand up, hands at your hips, chest out, shoulders back, chin up, eyes forward. And just hold that pose for two minutes. If you do that, which just seems like a crazy, silly exercise, you will actually increase your ability to withstand um, stress because it decreases cortisone. It increases testosterone in the body. 
And in fact, uh, they found in the study that a third of the people were more likely to focus on the results of their goals as opposed to the failure. And that's just from two minutes a day. Crazy what that does. I mean, I heard that first with Tony Robbins um, on the way they do it. But yeah, Amy Cuddy's work is so incredible with that. And it's crazy. And this is something that's weird because I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago on the show with my friend Jenny Hardman. If you guys haven't listened to it, please go ahead and listen to it. Um, we just went off, like fully off the rails, completely unplugged to be uh, to be true to the show, where we literally discussed how the brain, as a theory I have, the brain just doesn't know what's a truth and a lie. So you can legitimately bullshit your brain into belief, but the only thing is you want to keep it congruent with who you are. That's the only difference. If you can keep your brain congruent with who you are and the identity it identifies with, it will actually believe whatever lie you give it. Like, I'm confident. I will stand like a confident person and I will force myself to be this way or I will allow myself to be this way. Over time, that will become your normal. Like, you will stay in that position for longer periods of time and just have that outlook more permanently. Well, at least you know, sound. oh, 100%. I mean, being congruent with what you want. And, and to take this from just even the physical changes, which is just wild, to being able to overcome huge obstacles like David Goggins running 100 miles with no training. But even to just like in, in life and in business, you know, I remember when I first started coaching and consulting, I did everything for free. I wanted to get a lot of experience. And now I do really limited uh, consulting. But I basically start off not charging. Then I just charge $100 an hour, then $500 an hour. And it was like, you know, I made $5,000 in a month. And then eventually, you know, it builds up where you can charge. And I've charged over $30,000 a month for consulting. And it wasn't because I was like, yeah, like I'm really good at what I do. And it was this cocky bullshit attitude. But using the skill set that I had, being congruent with what I have and creating a huge amount of value for other people and their companies, I was able to charge that. But if you would have said to me like, you know, five years ago, because I'm an orthodontist by training. I love business, and that's why I ended up going into different types of businesses. But I'm an orthodontist, so I spent 10 years of my life studying, you know, college and then dental school and then three years of residency. And you told me back then in residency that, Corey, you know what? You're going to charge over $30,000 a month for consulting. I would have been like, well, that sounds fucking awesome, but like no way. Of course, over time, though, I shifted my mental congruency as you were talking about and who I was as an identity and I realized that I had so much value to be able to add when it comes to starting a business when it comes to scaling a business when it comes to you know creating a business that I was people were always asking me for advice and that's you know all of a sudden I started realizing how much I had and then of course with unleashed success over two years and over 100 interviews with entrepreneurs who have you know grown multi-million even billion dollar businesses you learn a thing or two and you start to apply it and it works. And then, you know, you start helping other people do that and they see the results and then you can get paid for it because that's what you're worth. Exactly. And I love that you actually have it set out that way, which a lot of people don't. Cool to know that you were an orthodontist initially, like that was your career path. Oh, yeah. I mean, I spent years of my life doing it. And, you know, honestly, even just with everything going on, I've, I've, I started a business last year. I was not working with any patients at all. Part of that was in the dental field. I was doing consulting. And then, you know, I still do a multiple different things. But currently right now, I have a few offices that I practice at. Um, you know, it's just it helps me keep building up. I like building offices. So like my first um, when I first started out, I was obviously totally I was totally fucked. I mean, I was super depressed after eight years of dental school and residency Um it's, it was a total in seven years, but I had been depressed for eight years at this point, about a year out. And I was struggling to make money. I was basically making money to pay off my student loans. And then I get into this point where I'm like, the only thing that makes me feel good is working out. I start doing these physical fitness competitions, which is why emotional fitness is I'm so passionate about now because I trained my body for so long. I was like, why don't I train my emotions and actually you know, control the one thing that controls everything else? So I start doing this and all of a sudden I get skin cancer at okay. like 27, 28 years old. So it was, it was like five, six years ago. And um, I can't work out. And I, you know, I, I was like, I've had moles removed before. Nothing ever comes back. 
So I get a mole removed, can't work out for a couple weeks. I'm really depressed at this point. Um, my family, my parents were, were getting divorced. That was, you know, just like icing on the cake. But I had been depressed for years. I was miserable. I didn't even like being an orthodontist at the time. And all of a sudden, I find out I have skin cancer. So you take away the one thing that's been my meditation and and my release and and what I'm excited about because I was actually winning competitions. I was, you know, nationally qualified. I was getting all these medals and I was excited to compete again. And I was pretty much on the path to go pro. Um, I had competed at the national level. You know, I was probably three places away from getting my pro card. And now I've got skin cancer. I can't work out. And I'm like, okay. So I come back a couple weeks later and they like draw this line of how much I didn't realize like, you know, they look, it said it looked bad. Then they tell me we got to cut it out. And I didn't realize how bad it was until they draw this circle around my chest that, you know, it's like small tennis ball, basically size. And I'm sitting there going, wait, what? And I didn't realize that I basically I had melanoma, which is a very fast moving cancer. It's very dangerous. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like, look, I'm about to compete. I'm about to get my pro card. Is there any way we can wait, you know, maybe like two, three months until my next competition's over? Like, no, if you wait six months, you could lose half your chest. If you wait a year, you might not even be here. Damn. Yeah, and that was that was my kick in the ass, my wake-up call. You think right there, then and there, I would have changed my life. But yeah. it just didn't hit me at first. I was like, I I started drinking a little bit more. And I was like, man, I all of a sudden, like a couple weeks later, I like, I I can't live like this, you know, and and I never attempted suicide. Um, but obviously I've I just at in those dark places i've had suicidal thoughts where i don't even know if i want to be here next year and maybe this is what i deserve um so i ended up getting it removed thankfully cancer free um got a nice little scar on my side of my chest to prove it but um and i ended up coming back and doing a fitness competition with my girlfriend for fun um but i moved on and i i started doing personal development and changing my entire mindset about life and that's when I started training my mind and emotions, shifting everything. And that was the that was the point that my entire life changed for the better. But the truth is, you know, I'm always experiencing new challenges. Um, yeah, sure, I don't feel depression ever anymore. Um, I just don't even use that word to describe my feelings. And I never will. I never want to go back to that place. Um, but I've been I've had tough times. I've been stressed. Life's ups and downs. You know, and it's funny because the better you get, the more emotionally fit you get. All of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, cool, business is going well." And that's when, like, I was like, "Business is going well, but I can do more." And so I took all my my offices that I was working in, and I said, "How can how can I make this even more successful?" And I literally figured out a way to get more patients in the door, to get more patients to get started, and that was exciting to me. It made me enjoy orthodontics again. And I literally grew businesses um, collectively. All of my offices together probably were doing like a million dollars a year. And I grew it to a 2.5 million. That's really, really good. That's pretty awesome. Well, I, it was, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's funny. I, like when you talk about patients, and this is funny, doctors don't ever like talking about it. It's like not that I was trying to necessarily make money. I never will uh, sell something that I don't believe in. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me. But I, I don't want to like just throw braces on somebody, charge them five grand and say, OK, this is what we're going to do. This is why you need to do it. And it'd be just a total fucking lie. Never. Um, I've turned people away. It's so funny. I'll tell people like, look, you know what? Um, I think that you really need a surgical case and, um, you know, or something like this or. I don't know if I can help you. Maybe you need to go back to the orthodontist. Like they come up with braces. Go back to that one. I don't think I should do it. They'll end up coming back because they really appreciate the honesty. Or if they're like, you know what? This other orthodontist said they can do it without taking out teeth. Okay. Go there. I'll just tell you why I think that's not the best answer. But I, I understand you need to do what you got to do. Go ahead and you know have another consult. Go talk to them. Go ask them. And it's funny how many people would come back because of that honesty. Because it was it was true. And I figured out a way to be able to build rapport very quickly with patients to end up getting them to convert, to find people. And I classified them in three different ways. But basically, the hardest ones were those that were conflicted. 
I believe that nobody came into the office unless they wanted to start treatment. But there were some people that were so conflicted about it, they would say, no, I don't really want anything. Well, then why would you waste your time, money, and effort to get here and sit in this chair? Because right. ultimately, somewhere along the line, they want it. And I think we might have talked about this before, but you know, it's, it's funny how people, people will, uh, they will rationalize their purchases with logical reasons, but they will buy for emotional reasons. Yep. I know we're talking about emotional fitness, but it, people always buy on emotion. They do, and they have to have, as I, I think I said it on your show, which, by the way, guys, if you haven't already, I will put a link in the description to that show. But I think what we discussed was um, along the lines of you need to give them a reason why, logically, they can explain and defend their actions. I think exactly. The same, I think the same implies here as well with transformational work or any kind of work where you're shifting mindset is you need to give yourself enough of a reason. Like You need to give yourself emotional leverage to do something, but you also need to give yourself a logical reason to do it. And, it's so uh, funny, man. When I talk about emotional fitness, when I first started doing this, everybody's like, that's cool, man. You know, and I was like, look, like they clearly saw a shift in my attitude. They clearly saw a shift in my mindset and my emotions. And I was like, I'm literally happier than I've ever been. And they're like, that's cool. And like nobody really asked me how I did it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden people like would come over to my brand new house and they would see like all the materialistic things. Or for a lot of people, unfortunately, the logical reason why this is working, right? We're like, oh, I see a monetary result based on the actions that he's been taking. Then all of a sudden people are like, Corey, I read the books that you read. I went to the events that you read. What are you doing differently to get these results? I've done everything. And it's so funny. I mean, I got that time and time again. And uh, after so many times, I started talk doing talks about emotional fitness. And then I realized that. Um, the best way to get it out there was to publish a book. So I published the book, Emotional Fitness. A few months ago, you get it on Amazon. It's uh, if you go to the link masteremotionalfitness.com or just search emotional fitness in Amazon, it'll pop up there. And you know, at, I wanted to do better. It, it hit top ten, in, number nine in self help uh, when we released it. I didn't realize there was a way to game the system. Just to be totally transparent, there there is. Um, but I, yeah. And you can get like number one so easily, which I'm like, damn it, I should have done that. But I was just, you know, grassroots, just me doing the marketing thing. And cause I had so many other things going on. But if you want to get the book, emotional fitness, this like is why that, you release a second edition of it in like a year's time. Oh yeah. And well, special actually special edition so, with a hidden chapter. Yeah, there you go. Um, I actually, we're working on the audible right now. So, um, the, the, the goal was to get it done, but then obviously the coronavirus hit and business is just shut down. So um, recording the Audible is the next step, and I think that will be one of the new releases. And of course, I love talking and, and podcasting, and we're familiar with it. And that that edition is just going to have a bunch of you know off the cuff stuff because there's so much stuff in the book that you know it, it had to fit a certain format. And I'm not a writer; I'm more of a talker, so it was really difficult to to put it into the words like that uh, but i love telling stories so i got plenty of you know golden stories in there that we're going to add plus it's been six months since i launched the book and there's you know just a lot of different things that i know people need yeah exactly i was gonna say as far as it goes i actually did that with my book so over quarantine i've actually been verbalizing my book into an audible book first and then i'm going to actually get it printed Oh, so nice. I'm going so the other, I'm going first the Yeah. Right so on. I, I'm, I'm going that way because I'm like, ooh, I get to go on like random tangents. You know, it's, uh, I think it, it interesting that you're doing it that way, but also too, you'll be able to very, be very concise in your book. But I also, I feel lucky that I actually waited to do the audible because of the responses that I've got and certain questions and certain things like, you know, talking about empathy for instance is i i don't know how if i didn't say it explicitly obviously empathy is really important i said that in the book but if you can't understand and be empathetic to other people you're never going to be able to influence other people in any way and I, it always starts with inside first and so you know being aware of your own self but it, if you can't 
empathize with anybody, you're not going to get what you want. And I'm talking, I'm not just talking about relationships and like, you know, getting your friends to like agree to whatever dinner you're going to do. I'm talking about in business. I mean, I have, I have done some crazy things where I look back and go, how did I get people to, to invest in this idea, to start this business with me and stay in this business with me for years, even though, uh, you know, maybe like it hasn't gone exactly according to plan because I was able to sell people on an idea that I, I'm not joking. I wholeheartedly congruently believe it would work. And now, you know, now it's like, now that the coronavirus is starting to lift, people are starting to go back to business. We're ramping this thing up. And I'm like, man, this, this business idea that it could explode and it's in the dental product field. And that's all I can say right now. But, um, ultimately I sold people on something because I believe so congruently within myself, but also I listened to them. I listened to what their needs and their wants were. I empathized with them. I didn't go in there going, look, I'm, the, I'm, you know, I'm, God's gift. Here I am. I was like, hey, look, like I've got this idea. Do you think it would work? How can we work together? What are some things that you need from me? What is some things that I can, you know, bring to the table? Because if you don't add any value, and I know I, I kind of say that, I don't like to say that too much because it's a buzzword, but the truth is, yeah. And that's the thing is that no matter what you do, any exchange, whether it's for time or money or any business or even relationships, if you don't add value to the relationship, you cease to be important in the relationship and then you're no longer needed. And I don't care if that's the love life or business. It, it's the same. If, even in the gym, if you don't go to the gym, which you can't go now, or if you don't go work out and do something physical, if you don't put energy into that, you're not going to have the benefits at all. I could actually see that, and I would imagine that entirely. It's, and I believe what you just said right now is kind of one of the keys to unlocking what David Goggins goes over in, like, you can be more than 40% of what you're operating at. I think you're absolutely right. I think people, I think people cut themselves short too soon. I and think people say, often. I'm not good enough. Yeah, oh yeah, far too often. But they say... I'm not good enough. I'm not even going to try. I'm afraid of failure. So you know what? I'm going to rationalize why this isn't going to work. I'm going to find all the reasons why this won't work instead of finding the one reason why this will work or the one reason why I will make this work. And I think that it's unfortunate. It's sad because you limit your potential before even trying. Um, you know, I, there is this in like uh, when we used to fly on airplanes back in the day, the Sky Mall magazine. Mm -hmm. And I used to always look at the motivational posters. This is cool because I, I don't really say this a lot on podcasts. Um, right. I don't know if exclusive. I've ever said it. Yeah. yeah. We're on exclusive right here. It's just like it's one of those things I when we were flying, I'd go to the motivational section. And um, there was this thing about excellence. And it went something like this. Excellence is expecting more than others think is possible. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? Expecting more than others think is possible. And I remember seeing that as this motivational thing and just being like, if I expect more than what others think is possible, I can do more than others think is, you know, achievable. And all of a sudden that one thing as a kid just kind of really stuck with me. And I had this poster with Michael Jordan. It was all about excellence. I think it was like, I think they showed it actually in the last dance, by the way, bringing this whole thing full circle where it was like his night is a sports illustrated. It was like excellence. And I just always wanted to achieve this type of excellence, but it starts with expecting more than others think is possible. Agreed. If you, yeah. And if you don't believe it's possible, it's not going to happen. You know, it's like if it, uh, who was it? Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. No matter what you think, you're right. And so if you say, I can't do that, it's never going to happen. But if you can find the one way that you can do it, you can make it happen. I've built my life around that. When I started a podcast, zero experience. When I started reaching out to people, people always go, how do you get such great guests on your show? How do you get these guys to come in and give all this value? You know, honestly, sometimes it's as simple as reaching out. Sometimes I tell them a story about how they impacted me and I share that with them. You know, I think uh, 
Chris Voss, who we might have talked about this book, um, you know, uh, never split the difference. All about negotiation, all about tactical empathy. But I reached out to him after I used his experience to get a better deal on a negotiation. And I and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And other people, I'll reach out and be like, hey, look, man, I love your stuff. This is the way you've influenced me. And that's how I do it. But I had no experience. And the only reason that I was able to accomplish any of that shit is because I believed I could. That's it. It's actually very, very true and a very simple thing. And you did give a great example of how you used that book last time we spoke. Uh, I think we were off air as well. So that was actually quite interesting. But this actually brings me to one of my favorite questions that I have on the show. And that is really asking you, because emotional fitness does count for a lot. It accounts for, in fact, I didn't actually think we'd go down this tangent on this call at all, but I'm very glad that we did. My question is, when life kicks you in the nuts, like really, like right now, everyone is hurting to some degree. There are a lot of people hurting to some degree. My question is, what tools do you use as a step-by-step to build yourself back up in those times of crisis? I wrote it all down in my book, Emotional Fitness. <laughs> Shameless plug, masteremotionalfitness.com. But in all seriousness, um, this t- in life, there's always going to be something that is going to kick you in the nuts. And it's whether you or not you get back up. Um, so step by step, you know, it starts off with, a routine. I have built routines to train my mind and emotions. So once I have that habit in place, I don't have to think about it. So basically you're asking, you know, what kind of habits do I have and, and what kind of habits can people build up? And the first thing is when you wake up in the morning, I like to get some exercise because as we talked about earlier, power posing shifts the body, shifts the mind. If you wake up and you feel like shit or you're miserable or you're sad or you're depressed or you're worried or anxious, Get fucking moving. The minute you start to move your body, you're not going to be thinking about that. The minute you, if you want to go for a run, go run outside. The endorphins start to hit. You know, you shift your mind right then and there. Then, uh, man, I love it because I literally can sit there. I'll start working out and all of a sudden I'll be like, okay, what are some things that I want to work on today? And so I'll create a power action list. The top three things that I know if I do these three things today, I'm definitely moving closer to my goals. And it's called a power action list because I use the 80-20 rule. And I say 20% of our actions yield 80% of our results. Which actions are going to yield your 80% of the results? You know, waking up, writing down three actions and being like, I need to do the dishes. I need to do laundry. I need to make my bed. Might not get you any results if unless you're just trying to clean your house is the one thing you want to get done. But if you wake up and say, all right, I'm going to make that phone call to, you know, my boss and ask for a raise. I'm going to, I'm going to launch my business and I'm going to start my website today. You know, you can start a website in a day. It might not be the greatest, but you can start it today. In an hour, um, to be fair, you can get it up and load in an hour if you, if it doesn't have to be done, but it can be up there in an hour. Exactly. And I've got this like great tool that I put together just to be able to help people figure that out. And it's just to start a business, right? Start an online business. Um, and if you want, you can share the link later in the show notes, but it's just unleashedsuccess.com slash startup. And that way, like if people want to figure it out, like it can be done in a day. But the problem is we get so many excuses. And so you can go through these goal setting lists. But one thing sometimes people struggle with is they're like, you know, I'm still in a bad mood. And so if you're in a bad mood, if you're depressed, worried, anxious, angry, whatever negative emotion you're having, I like that exercise by saying a few things you're grateful for. And if you can't find anything you're grateful for, look, I've interviewed people, I'm not even kidding, that have no hands. That Like uh, this guy is amazing. Ryan Hudson Peralta literally was born with no hands and his, his name on Instagram is look mom, no hands. And he's like, look, <laughs> I if I... If yeah, he, the dude is awesome, and you know, even with no hands, he drives a car. Even with no hands, he's flown a plane. The guy skateboards. You know, he's he's an awesome dude. He's a graphic designer. He is amazing. He's like, if I can find something to be grateful for, you can. And sometimes it might just be having air to breathe. You don't pay for that air. 
you don't need it or knowing that your heart beats without you having to do anything. It works for you. Find something to be grateful with. And I believe gratitude is a practice. I would say that because I was not very grateful. I was always grateful for everything I had, but I didn't practice it. So it was hard to find little things to be grateful for. It's like, of course, I'm grateful for my family. Of course, I'm grateful for the way I was raised for, you know, getting an education um, or this opportunity. But I never really thought about it until I practice it daily. I wasn't able to jump into gratitude very easily. The minute you jump into gratitude, and this might take a couple weeks, guys, you're going to have to write down three things you're grateful for for a couple weeks every morning to start to shift your mind. But it changes over time and it doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be I'm grateful for my life and everything. It could be like, you know what? I'm honestly grateful for this coffee this morning. It is delicious. Um, or I'm grateful to be able to listen to this podcast. Or I'm grateful that, you know, I woke up this morning instead of not waking up. You know, it could be something simple as that. I talked to, it's funny, um, my grandmother remarried after my grandfather passed away. Um, and uh, his name is Wayman. The guy's awesome. He would never listen to this, but I love him to death. And it's so funny. It's like sometimes, you know, like, you know, wait a minute, why are you so happy all the time, man? Like I, and my grandma's just the same way. Um, but I had to ask him and I was like, it's like, hey, you know, woke up above ground today. I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess that's a win. And for him though, every day he wakes up above ground, it's a win. And he's got lots of other things, but it sometimes can be that simple. You start doing that and then you start to shift things. So then once you're in a state of gratitude, writing down goals, you start to learn like, hey, you know what? I appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate this opportunity to be on your podcast. I appreciate this opportunity to be able to share with your audience different things. I appreciate so much the fact that I got to wake up next to my girlfriend and, you know, the love that we shared just in a moment this morning, it, you know, by a look in the eyes was something that, you know, warmed my heart. And yeah, we didn't go into relationships really, but I was like, I was never going to get in a relationship ever again. I just was like, you know, eight years without a relationship, something like that. And it stemmed a lot from my depression, but I met her and everything changed. I, of course, I had to change myself on the inside first, but yeah. find something you're gra grateful for. Then write down those three goals for the day. Make sure they're 80, 20. So they're going to give you the biggest results and that will move the needle. And you do that every single day for the next three months, your entire life will change. I agree. That'd be very, very powerful, especially with like over a 90 day period. And the craziest thing is it's not hard to do. It, it When I started training my own mind and emotions, I came up with at first the, the 1% rule. And I took it from compounding, science of compounding. I said, all right, if I can just increase my ability to accomplish something by 1% every single day, well, at the end of the year, it's not 365% better. It's 3,776% better. It's a huge difference. People are like, well, sometimes I don't improve. And honestly, I started shifting my mind around that too and said, hey, you know what? If I do something one day where it doesn't feel like I improved, I had a shitty workout, um, I got rejected from being able to interview somebody on a podcast, or you know, I didn't, I didn't make as much money as I was hoping to make, uh, I learned, all right, well, what did I do wrong? What can I improve? How can I make this better? And if I can learn what not to do, if I can learn from failure, then that's 1% right there, which is honestly probably more powerful than getting it right every single time. Because if you always get it right, you don't understand what's going to happen when the economy shuts down, when, you know, when the bad times happen. You've got to be able to be flexible. You've got to be resilient. And you've got to keep moving forward. Very much agreed. And those are very key, huge key lessons. And it all comes back down that you can actually pick all this stuff in your book, which is brilliant. One of my favorite questions to ask on this show is, I could ask like what your top five favorite books are to be fair, but I'm going to give you a curveball today because I feel like throwing you a curveball specifically. If you were to give seven movies to your future child, and they were to set them up for emotional fitness, mental health, all the other fun stuff. And you're like, seven movies that have a massive impact on me, that have life lessons that I think you should watch. Or I just think you should watch because they're brilliant. What seven movies would they be and why? 
So you upped it from five to seven, and now it's movies instead of books. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I threw you a curveball. Yeah, just a small one. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I'm gonna have to throw in some books at the end of this to probably round out seven. But <laughs> um, let's see some eye-opening movies. God, there's so many. Um, one of my favorites that I just watched, so it's super um, relevant, is The Matrix. Um, and it's funny. It's, uh, it's such it's such a good movie to break out of an old mindset. And, you know, I said I interviewed Tom Bilyeu, um maybe before we jumped on, but he's all about breaking out of The Matrix. And... Um, it, it's wild that I watched that movie hundreds of times before I got to interview him. And I was always like, wow, I love the way he tied it into personal development. But it really is just such a good one for understanding that there are certain rules in life that we follow. But those rules were written by other people. And if you wanted to change the game, if you wanted to jump out of those set of rules, you can create your own rules and like at the end of the movie when neo flies that's you know him being like these rules we can bend them and some people can even break them and so i think that that was like just you know such a good movie i think it's such a uh, great for personal development um let's see i mean if we really want to go into like i feel like i've been watching a bunch of shitty rom-com tv shows these days (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see so also i would say Spaceballs is one of my all-time favorite movies thank you rick moranis Moranis is fucking hilarious as dark helmet (laughs) sorry it's so rare to find another Spaceballs fan (laughs) oh man uh absolutely love that movie and i would say one of the reasons that i would um introduce that to my kids because it's an amazing movie and it's hilarious, but at the same time, humor and having fun with life and making jokes and enjoying life is so critically important. Um, hmm. Uh. See, I would have gone with Men in Tights personally, but Spaceballs is on that list. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, man, I'm trying to think of uh, a good right now. I'm thinking about a good Will Smith movie. And I'm I'm, I'm almost I'm, I'm like drawn to relationships right now for some reason. And I'm You're like, I don't know. Hitch, if, Hitch, I am thinking of Hitch. And, uh, it's a great you know, movie. I just I just love Will Smith. And I watched uh, a movie of his recently uh, where it's like his younger self. I can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, but Gemini Man. Or? Gemini Man. Yeah, it was good. You know, I mean. Will Smith can make a movie, um, but uh, yeah, Hitch. You know, it just I, I actually I'm a sucker for a lot of romantic comedies. You know what? Not even Hitch. Let's let's now I remember one that I, was probably my favorite, and it'd be Fifty First Dates with Adam Ooh, Sandler, great, um, and Drew Barrymore. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but the rewatchability of that movie. Like if it's on, you know, I could just watch it. Um, and you it's just it. yeah, and it's just. It's so cool to see someone and, and like I'm just I'm such a uh, a teddy bear in a lot of ways sometimes, man. I, you know, I, I, I love love and the idea of it and, you know, um, just putting it out there and being romantic. But how he literally tries to make her fall in love with him every single day, even though she has that brain injury and she can't remember ever meeting him. And it's just like it's beautiful. Um what was another movie I was just thinking about uh, before that? Shoot, let's go to some books, maybe. Yeah, let's pad this. Let's pad this list out with some books. Well, if you really want some personal development, kind of like just, I mean, things that changed my life. Um, I know a lot of people out there. I mean, I talk about mindset, but I always try to have mindset. You know, meet goals, like set goals. But one book that I think could change your financial situation almost immediately, at least your outlook on it, 
um, is Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I didn't read that till like I was 28 years old, like after I bought my house. And I was like, shoot, I shouldn't have spent so much money on this house. I should have invested in real estate more. And it's funny because I invest in real estate now. And it's, you know, I mean, it's just one of the best ways to make money. But I wasn't of the mindset. I didn't think about making money like that. And I didn't understand the difference between assets um, and and um, expenses. So it was just one of those things that I think everybody should read. It's super easy, very quick. Um Another book by Tony Robbins is uh, Awaken the Giant Within. Obviously, if you've ever listened to any of my stuff, Tony Robbins has been a huge influence on my life and um, definitely helped. You know, he brought together so many different great people, but that definitely helped. Um, I recently added to my top 10 list of books, um, which actually, I guess it's not so recent, but um, is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. Uh, two Navy SEALs. Um, we kind of talked about Don't Don't Hate Me by David Goggins, which is a, kind of a similar... Um, can't, can't Hurt Me, that's the one or, Goggins. Sorry, not Don't Hate Me, sorry. <laughs> no, don't me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I she was one of my favorite ones as well. Um, but what I love about that book is it really talks about leadership. I mean, how to uh, lead up the chain, um, you know, taking extreme, extreme ownership, Um, and I think one of the biggest things the world needs is more leaders. Um, and of course I think that starts with yourself leading yourself first. Um, we're not looking for managers or dictators. We're looking for true leaders. And, you know, there's always like that great, you know, image where like, I think it's the wolf pack and and the leaders at the back. And sometimes that's what it takes. The leader can be at the back, can be in the middle, can be the front. They've got to be able to move and change positions. They've got to be able to do whatever they need to do to get their team to succeed. And I think being a good leader, if you want, if you read that book, and obviously you know because you read it, it's one of the best. Um, I think we're at six right now, and uh, one more I, to go. I mean, trying to think, be, there's so many I could list, but. Um, how to win f- friends and influence people um, is w- one book that I haven't mentioned in a while, but really talks about how, you know, being able to connect with people and why that's so important. And anything you do, you're going to need to be able to connect with people. We talked about empathy to be able to connect with people. Um, how to win friends and influence people is definitely one that's up there and, and truly um, a great book. And then, of course, I, you know, I've got tons of books that I love. Uh, even in the power of habit was one book by Charles Dunhig, um, that, uh, influenced my own book. Um, because I looked at it and thought about what are these emotional habits, um, that we all go through on a daily basis. And if I can shift the cue or the routine of my own emotional habits, how can that change my life for the better to where I'm not always triggered to be stressed because I woke up late or if there's traffic. And so his book I've listened to multiple times because I'm always amazed at when I re-listen to books or reread books. Now I listen to books on Audible, but um, you, I used to read them all. And when I reread or re-listen, that I pick up certain things because of I'm in a different place. And so, for instance, with the uh, power of habit, at first I was heard all the corporate habits that people were doing, and I saw in my offices how certain people were causing problems in the office and they were creating this negative habit loop inside our office team. And then if you approach them, how you can really resolve the problem. And then a couple times later I was reading it and I was all about emotional fitness as I was writing my book. I was like, man, if I apply this same principle to my emotional habits, how does that shift it? And I have, I'd been already applying that to my own emotional habits. The answer was yes. Um, and so it was just one of those tactics or just one of those documents that, uh, really, really impactful in my life. Um, so that's it. And of course, you know, I, I, am a big fan of my own book, emotional fitness. Um, I literally wrote that not just for everybody else, but also as a reminder to myself. Um, these are daily exercises. These are not exercises that I, you know, I can do for six months and I'll be fit for life. And so I would say is the, you don't go to the gym for six hours and you're fit for three months. It, it's a daily practice. 
Um, and the more you practice it, the stronger you do get and the more resilient you are to change and to adversity. But at the same time, if you quit for a couple of years, you're going to go back. So, um, that's my list. Thank you for the very tough question. <laughs> you're very welcome. It's what I like to do on the show is to basically get really good lists like that out of people. But dude, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Guys, if you go check out unleashsuccess.com, find Unleash Success on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and I can even imagine Spotify at this point, you'll find him somewhere. He's like kind of everywhere, and it's awesome. As you guys just had a very small smattering of an excellent, um, the way this guy thinks. I like the way that you think, Corey. So uh, for everyone listening to this, I suggest you head on over to unleashsuccess.com where you guys can opt in. You can find out more stuff about him. Pick up his book, Emotional Fitness, which is available on Amazon, and the link will be in the description below. And for that, dude, I just want to say thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming on today. Adil, uh, I just I, thank you so much, man. I love sharing this stuff. It's been a pleasure, and I really appreciate everything you're doing. All right, guys. Looking forward to having you back on. And guys, have an amazing weekend. And as always, please rate, share, and subscribe this show. And uh, I will see you very, very soon. Uh, and have a great weekend.